2: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Step One Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another sub, 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 sub segment Fictional Women Around the World, the first of 2024. And we are coming out the gate strong with this one. Samantha, I'm a little intimidated. But we're gonna do it today. We are talking about '90s feminist icon Xena, Warrior Princess. Oh, yes! I couldn't believe we never talked about it. Like in all of the hosts, never. Really? No, no, no. Host talked about her? No, <sighs> not that I could find. I know. Like, I was shocked. I mean, honestly,
3: she was one of if, if there was a like mother that term, <laughs> she would have been
2: mother. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, and uh, I, I think some of you are probably mad that this is a sub-segment. It could be a whole episode. Um, but this is what we're doing. Maybe we should right come now. back. <laughs> maybe
3: we should watch a few episodes and come back because we need to talk about so many things in there.
2: So oh, yeah. Many. Well, I guess I should come up front and say I've never seen an episode. Um, <laughs> I? know. I, that's why I'm intimidated. <laughs> I never <sighs> saw it, but my friend Katie, who's been on this show, she loved it. She I loved, loved it. it. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I loved it
3: as well. It's been a well, long good. time, but it was something that I watched a lot of.
2: Yes, well, see, I was in so deep with Young Hercules, which, by the way, I think I, I think I found a way to purchase it yesterday. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes, that came after. Yes, it was 1999, I think. Yeah. Um, and this was this was during that time. Uh, but yeah. yeah, anyway, I did not see any of it. I feel terrible about myself. I am shamed. Um, <laughs> I
3: feel like, yeah, we need to remedy that. Because, I mean, I definitely liked Hercules, of course. Now I would never. But uh, yeah. but then when Xena came through and she was kind of the uh, antagonist to Hercules and then got her own show, I was like, yes. obviously, yes. I must watch all of it.
2: <laughs> yes, Well, you were not alone. Oh. You were not alone. Okay, I'm ready. Um, Keep going. I'm ready for all this. All right. Yes. Okay, cool. I hope you're, you can step in and correct me if I am anything wrong. It's been a wrong. long
3: time. I don't think I can.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. Well, here we go. <laughs> um, this character was, yes, played by Lucy Lawless and had a huge following. And there are so many essays, books, blog posts, what have you, that have been written about her. That was another thing that was kind of daunting for this one, uh, but I love. <laughs> Early fan conventions centered around Xena. I believe there are two that happen every year. One is in L.A. and one is in London. It did a lot to popularize genre-bending experimental episodes like having a musical episode. There was going to be a reboot, but it has been indefinitely shelved. But yes, the show, this character had a really huge impact. And I just want to do the opening narration, okay? In a time of ancient gods, warlords, and kings, a land in turmoil cried out for a hero. She was Xena, a mighty princess forged in the heat of battle. The power, the passion... The danger. Her courage will change the world. Love it's it. True. I love and it. It did. It did. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, Zeta first appeared in the 1995 to 1999 series Hercules, Legendary Journeys, where she was popular enough of a character that the producer decided to give her her own spinoff show. So, she went on to appear in Robert E. Tappert's 1995 to 2001 series. Sam Raimi was also involved in there. Xena, Warrior Princess, and then later the comic book by the same name. Um, She's also appeared in an animated movie called The Battle for Mount Olympus. And she's been in a bunch of non-canon confirmed stuff from games to books. At one point during its run, this show was the most popular show in the world, more than Baywatch. Like, this was a big hit. True story. (laughs) The show focuses on Xena and her quest for redemption after spending time as a violent warlord. Um, Her parents were Atreus and Cyrene, but at least one episode suggests Ares, the god of war, may be her biological father, which is interesting. We'll talk about that more in a second. When the character was first introduced in Hercules, she was, yeah, like you said, kind of an ad- antagonist, kind of an outlaw. She'd spent like a decade looting and doing general rogue stuff. She tried to kill Hercules the first time they met, drawing him out after seducing his friend. So what happened was her army had turned against her, believing her weak for saving a child from their lieutenant. Um, So she had originally tried to regain their trust and display her strength by killing Hercules and presenting them with his head. Uh, But thanks to some outside help, Hercules defeats Xena but refuses to kill her, saying, killing isn't the only way of proving you're a warrior. And that message really resonates with Xena and she decides to join up with him to defeat her old army. In a later episode, they have a brief romantic moment, um, Hercules telling her she's, she's got good in her, uh, but Xena decides to break it off and go work on redeeming herself for her past actions, which is the main driving plot of her show. Uh, Xena quickly discovers redemption uh, and her dark past are painful to take on, to the point she almost gives up on being a warrior completely. She's taking off her armor and weapons and bearing it, but she sees a group of children being attacked by warriors and she can't help herself from intervening. This is where she meets Gabrielle, a traveling bard who is incredibly inspired by Xena's strength and convinces Xena to let her travel with her, in part to document Xena's adventures. The two eventually become very close friends and very depending close. on who you're talking to more very than that. Close. That <laughs> but, is the one thing I remember people <laughs> being upset about this show while I was
3: watching it. They were very close.
2: They were. We will talk about that for a second. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, <laughs> Gabrielle helps Zena make up with her mother and is there when she encounters Aries, who Zena rebuffs when... He asks her to join him as warrior queen, which again, mm. She also runs into a warrior whose family she had killed named Callisto. And Callisto helps Hope, who is the demon child of Gabrielle, kill Xena's son, Solon, who did not know Xena was his mother. Woof, drama. A friend of Xena's named Marcus died during his first good deed. Uh, that Zena had convinced him, like, we need to give up this whole violent killing way. Let's do a good deed. And he died during the first good deed. And uh, another son of hers tortures her mentor, Lauma to death. Later, after their ally Caesar is betrayed by Brutus and killed, Zena and Gabrielle were crucified during the Ides of March. And then, of course, they were later revived in part with the help of Callisto, who became an angel after Zena killed her. Uh, then Zena gets pregnant with a so-called miracle child, prophesized to basically usher out the Olympian gods and usher in Christianity. Um, in order to escape what they view as certain death, Gabrielle and Zena fake their own deaths, but Ares mucks everything up, and he traps them in a cave of ice where they hibernate for 25 years. Meanwhile, Zena's daughter Eve was taken in by Roman Emperor Octavius, and she's now known as Livia, the champion of Rome. She's very active in persecuting the followers of Eli. Uh, Eli was key in Zena's resurrection. Eventually, Zena secures Livia's forgiveness, and Livia retakes the name Eve and takes on the mantle of the messenger of Eli. Eve is baptized, and Zena is gifted with the ability to kill gods as long as Eve is alive. As it turns out, uh, Xena brings on the prophesized twilight of the gods after she kills a bunch of them to protect her daughter. Oh, and she does this with the help of God and the Archangel Michael. A lot of interesting things going on religiously here. Um, Ares also helps, sacrificing his immortality so that a badly hurt Eve and Gabrielle can live. Um, Xena would go on to help him get his godhood back later. Uh, She ends up giving her life to defeat a gladiator named Yotashi and ultimately chooses to stay dead so that the souls of the 40,000 people she killed as a warlord can find peace. Uh, Her spirit is later seen with the spirit of Gabrielle, and this is only one of many lives Zina will lead uh, with Gabrielle, her soulmate, in the two of them fighting evil together. That's what they're sort of told. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a National Association member, FDIC.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please.
2: So uh, the series finale, which that, that's what that was, uh, wasn't the most well-received. Um, even some of the showrunners admitted that they think they flubbed it. So, But this idea that they had, had the death as redemption thing that we've talked about before, um, that was there since the very beginning. One of the writers said, wait a minute, ultimate redemption may be here if she's not brought back to life. So I think they were always kind of thinking that. She was supposed to die in the Hercules show originally, so... It sounds like they just never gave up on that idea. But okay, that's the plot. <laughs> just very broad strokes. So, Xena was groundbreaking and important in a lot of ways. Uh, she was portrayed as the hero, the warrior, which was a role typically held by men. But she was still feminine, and she also still looked physically capable. Um, here's a quote I found from Wiley. She can be vulnerable as well as moody or cynical, but mostly she is happily active. Also, no matter what her plight, she always retains her dignity. For example, she effectively deals with sexual harassment in the teaser of the early episode, The Path Not Taken quasi-casually beating off one dirty young fellow after the other. After that, personal remarks and lewd gestures quickly diminish and almost disappear from the series, and even the most macho-type opponents respect her as a warrior and a woman. Zena is as much a woman's fantasy as she is a man's, and that is her charm, as well as her power. Yes. Um, here's a quote from Woosh, which I think is a whole Xena fan site that's been around for a while. In context of this paper, the character Xena certainly appeals to the pleasure in looking, yet she is hardly a passive object. Mulvey argues that for a male spectator, a male movie star's glamorous characteristics are thus not those of the erotic object of the gaze, but those of the more perfect, more complete ideal ego, because the character can make things happen and control events better than the subject-slash-spectator. Why cannot a female hero serve such a function for a female spectator? Paula Graham posits a, quote, lesbian subjective space in which the female warrior is sexually objectified but also identified with as phallic, desiring object. There is, thus, an identification with and desire for the masculinized female body, a space in which both protagonist and spectator occupy phallic positions in the relay. life. Listen. But I'm telling you, there are essays and books written about this. This is just a taste.
3: <laughs> like there's, she was a different type of character woman. Like Lucy mm-hmm. Lawless broke some boundaries because her, even her outfit, mm-hmm. even though it was like skirt and ridiculous, but at the same time, it was still like heavily, like geared so it looked uh, masculine, though it was still feminine. Like it, it, everything about it,
2: yeah. Yeah, it was very functional. Mm-hmm. They even brought up, there's like a lot of examples they gave of like there's an episode where she has to pretend to be like kind of a, like a sex object and they ask her to dance. But then she like does it, but is still clearly in control of the situation. You know, she's going to like whoop him. Yeah, um, It's pretty really good. But yeah, this does bring us to, uh, I guess you pronounce it, Zabriel? Z- Z- oh, yeah. Zina and Gabrielle. That's what it was called. Yeah. Okay. So, Zena had a lot of romances, including with Caesar, who betrayed her. Um, but many, many of them were heavily hinted. Even the showrunners have been like, "No, we were. We wanted you to think that with women." Um, so, with Caesar, a lot of people think she was more into Melila, um, who Caesar killed, and that's one of the big things that ruined their relationship. Uh, her relationship with Lao Ma is often viewed through a romantic lens. Uh, Akini, too. Um, and the, yeah, these are all women. But also Marcus, yes. Hercules, yes. Uh, but so, 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 so many people were shipping Xena and Gabrielle. <laughs> and I was looking at pictures of them together from the show, and I was like, well, damn. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Like, I just clipped onto a YouTube of them and the comments on there, the way she looks at her so softly. Like, like there's comments all the way down. Kind of yes. like your response to Luke and Han in that <laughs> yeah. one scene. There's yes. so many of those in Xena for Gabrielle yes. and her.
2: Yes. it. I mean, but I, even in passing, I was like, oh, I can see it. Yeah. I can just see why people thought looks. this. They have looks. And... I have a few examples of why people thought this that I'll share in a second, like specific examples. Um, but first, I also, I didn't know this. Subaru uh, geared an ad towards a lesbian audience at one time and it featured a license plate that read "Zeno Lover. So this was like, it was people knew about it. People knew about it. Um, and this was coming out. During third wave feminism, we've talked a bunch of other about a bunch of other um, characters from this time, especially like around witches, because of course we have. But there was a lot of this going on and it was progressive in a lot of ways. It was mostly a white show, um, but now there's a lot of things people were writing about. And I was like, oh, that's not that's sort of become more the norm. But at the time, it was pretty progressive. Um, And one of the things people pointed out was she did have a black man as a love interest. Helen of Troy was played by a black woman. Cleopatra was played by Gina Torres, which I didn't know. And yeah, there was just, there were a lot of Asian characters. All of this, I cannot say how well they were represented. I haven't seen it. But unfortunately at the time, that was pretty like, oh, okay. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life.
3: PNC Bank.
2: Brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
1: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
2: course i have to talk about this came out in the early days of internet fan fiction and because people were shipping uh gabrielle and xena so much left an impact that is still there today um so fans of xena popularized alt fic um all or alternative fiction for same-sex romantic fiction. The term uber or uberfic originated with Xena fanfiction, referring to when characters are written or depicted in alternate universes, but are still basically their canon selves. So like reincarnations or past selves, things like that. Which, by the way, that's how the show pretty much ended. They were like, this is your soulmate. You're going to have many lives together in different forms, but you're always going to be fighting together. It also kind of popularized, which is now sort of a joke, but the sex and subtext. Um, So, (laughs) yes, a lot of this relationship was subtext, as in you're reading between the text, you're reading between the lines, you're looking at the looks that they share, you know? So many looks. Oh, my gosh. But some of it was pretty in your face. I was reading about it. I was like, okay, okay. Um, So here's a quote from Sci-Fi. Gabrielle finds herself trapped in a ring of fire, and only her true soulmate can brave the flames to free her. Even without her memories... Zena gravitates toward Gabrielle and awakens her with a kiss. This is right around the place in this series where the word subtext no longer applies. It doesn't get much more openly gay than this, folks. The flirting between Zena and Gabrielle is blatant, References to Sappho as Gabrielle's all time favorite poet abound, and there is a lot of friendship bass. <laughs> and the fish puns are plentiful, to say the least. Xena dresses in drag, Aphrodite appears in all of her godly glory, and Xena goes through heck just to gift Gabrielle with a love poem. If that weren't enough, she pops on the helmet of Hermes and flies around, holding Gabrielle in her arms. Truly, one of the queerest episodes of television we have ever seen, and a nice, almost end to the love story between Zena and Gabrielle. <laughs> I I had to like really cut down on all these quotes because I was like, this this is so basic. They want to be buried together. The fates agree they cannot be separated. They kissed. Um, though it was like the spirit of Zena in a man's body, but it still showed them kissing, which could still, you know, at that time get you in trouble with censorship. And so that they, a lot of the uh, creators have said, like we were trying to be as obvious as we could without getting censored. Um, so they knew about it; they were in on it. Um, apparently, in the most recent comic run that was largely helmed by women, the pair's romance was made official. Um, Lucy Lawless called their relationship definitely gay and said there was always a, well, she might be or she might not be, but when there was that drip of water passing between their lips in the very final scene, that cemented it for me. Now it wasn't just that Zena was bisexual and kind of like her gal pal and they kind of fooled around sometimes. It was, nope, they're married, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I will say Lucy Lawless has always been all 120,000% playing into that. And I don't think it was like token, especially during that point, because that mm. wasn't something that was lauded as as being heroic. You know what I mean? Like people trying to find that diversity. Right, it was like sure. you were taking a fing risk.
2: Yeah. For a family yeah, she, show. Yes. Um, and she has a quote about that that I wanted to read. Cause she has embraced the queer reading of it. So she this is from Collider. The fact that they should be judged unequal writ large is disgraceful and unacceptable. Good, good souls. I hate that kind of injustice against children. People are queer or straight or whatever they are from before the time they're born. So to be educating them as less than, getting those messages implicitly or explicitly from such an early age, it's a violence to me. It's violence against children. And that just goes throughout their lives. So we want to eradicate that. Stopping violence to children, telling them that they don't belong. It's so upsetting. Um, So yeah, she has been outspoken about it. Um, I did want to note, you can have a, I'm a big believer, a platonic soulmate. It doesn't have, the soulmate thing could be platonic. It's with all this other stuff that you're kind of like, huh? Um, But you and I have talked about this before. Like, I feel like you totally can have just like your friend that's ride or die there for you. But given a lot of the other things, (laughs) this feels very... We start exchanging
3: looks. (laughs) <laughs> like that and if we start like get, yeah
2: your <laughs> partner be will questions. kick me out um, <laughs> like never again um, but yes uh, this was a show that featured a lot of women strong women uh, complicated women relationships between women um, were there problematic things in episodes yes I read about one that apparently scarred a bunch of people that was like some dream sequence where Gabrielle was a mermaid I was reading about it like, whoa. Um, I remember this but, one. but, well, it's probably for the best, it sounds like. <laughs> it was really, really groundbreaking. And the impact of it is still felt today in our culture on the internet. I love it. In 2006, Lawless donated her personal costume to the National Museum of American History. So it's like in a museum. That's so cool. As it should be. That is so cool. Yes, I think we should come back and. Dig into this more. Yeah,
3: you opened up a whole uh door that needs to be crossed and we need to have <laughs> this conversation. Because I, I need to remember this. Because I, I just remember thinking, even my very conservative, I think I kind of shied away from it because I was getting conservative. I was like, I don't know if I can watch this. Right. But I still it, loved it.
2: I mean the fact that they put it in a commercial shows how much people we're thinking this is pretty queer show.
3: <laughs> I also like that Subaru just went all yeah. the way in. They already have this reputation anyway. And I love they're it. Right. You do you. But it's like they're like, let me go. Let me go ahead.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I love it, too. I had such fun researching this. And I definitely had to cut myself off because I was like, oh, gosh, I can't read a whole book about this right now. But listeners... If you have thoughts about the show, you are gonna get so many there, comments. I'm oh, so I can't wait! <laughs> I'm so excited! I cannot wait. Please let us know. Uh, you can email us at stephiedamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at stuff Never told you. We have a tea public store and we have a book. You can get wherever you get your books. Thanks as always to our super producer Christina, our executive producer Maya, and our contributor Joey. Thank you, and thanks to you for listening. Stuff on a told you by iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group
0: Incorporated. PNC Bank a National Association, member FDIC. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A.,